everybody, and welcome to Film Fragments, a podcast where we take fragments of an actor, director, and genre and tell you our favorites from their catalog. My name is Brian Subfield, I'm your host, and I'm very excited to welcome you guys to this week's episode of Film Fragments, where today we are going to be talking about our favorite film starring Saoirse Ronan. She does not have a new film coming out this week. I don't know when she has a new film coming up, but honestly, I couldn't think of a better topic to talk about today. Also, when we're recording this, it's Super Bowl Sunday, so you know what? It kind of makes sense to talk about Saoirse Ronan on Super Bowl Sunday, because what else would you talk about on Super Bowl Sunday (laughs) besides Saoirse Ronan? I mean, come on, guys. Seriously? Anyway, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you guys here with me today, and I'm super excited to welcome our guests. And let me just say, I've done pretty long intros before. But, oh my god, this might be the longest introduction that I've ever written. So let me just take a swig of my coffee before I get into it, so. Okay. Okay. She is based in Raleigh, North Carolina. She is a writer and historian. She is a lover of classic literature, house museums, and British Taco, which I never met anyone who loves British Taco, so that's pretty exciting. She is a Ron Tomatoes approved critic. She is a member of the Hollywood Critics Association. She is a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. She has a bachelor's degree in communications and history with a minor in French, has a master's degree in arts administration, and is currently receiving another master's in public history. She is the managing editor, Oscar Central. She is the host of Petticoats and Poppies. Some of her bylines include Awards Watch, Next Best Picture, Ready Steady Cut, Broadway World, FF2 Media. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Nicole Ackman. Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you on. And seriously, when I was looking over my show notes, I was like, oh my God, there's like so much to say about this one person. <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell did she make time to come on to talk about? about Saoirse Ronan with me of all people it's insane like <laughs> well I always want to talk about Saoirse Ronan so so, so it only makes sense it's very yeah. very fitting so get ready for this insane curveball question I'm very excited okay. to hear your answer okay, okay you have the opportunity to take one Saoirse Ronan character out to dinner whether it's with your family friends or just yourself you get to pick one character which would it be and why okay oh this is hard because I have like I mean, I feel like there's the answers that are more like, these are people I have questions for. Um, and then there's the answer of like, who I actually just want to go to dinner with. But I feel like I have to, and this feels like a spoiler for later in the episode, but I feel like I have to say Joe March. Um, of course. I'm a huge Little Women fan, like since I was a very little girl, and Sarah's Joe March feels exactly like the Joe March of the novel by Louise May Alcott. So, you know, it feels like in a way it would be going out to dinner with, you know, someone I've known almost my entire life. Um, but also, maybe she could give me some, like, writing advice. So. Oh, we love good writing advice. And <laughs> I, I, Joe Marsh would be my go-to as well. But yeah. to differentiate from that, yeah. listen, whenever I meet someone that could bake or cook food, I never <laughs> push them aside. Yeah. And I love myself a good baker, chef, what have you. So I'm going to go with Agatha from the Grand Budapest Hotel because she could bring me some delicious bread. She could maybe <laughs> bake me a cake. She could bring me all the sweets and all the treats that I love. But also, like, she just seems like a very humble and down-to-earth person. So, yeah, I'm going to go with her. It's not a very conventional pick. It's not exactly the top pick when talking about Saoirse Ronan since that's obviously a supporting character. But, come on, it's a baker. How could you go wrong with having the dinner with a baker? That's a good answer. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, she'll give me the good bread. Like, I listen, <laughs> when I go out to dinner, if I don't have good bread, I get pissed off. I don't tip the waiter or waitress. I'm just kidding. That's not true. But if I don't get good bread at my meals, I will be pissed. But I know Agatha will bring the best kind of bread of all the breads out there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so to talk a little bit about yourself, I mean, I already went through practically your whole life. But <laughs> yeah. to, to get your history with film, I would love to know what got you into it and why you love it so much. Yeah, so I have loved film ever since I was a little girl. Uh, I feel like in my house growing up, we always had like Turner Classic movies on. Um, my mom's a big film fan. She actually, um, earlier when she was like in college, had managed a blockbuster. Um, so that definitely was like partially an inherited thing. And I watched a lot of like Doris Day, Audrey Hepburn, Catherine Hepburn as a child. And funny enough, you know, we're recording this um, on the day that I'm going to see Titanic in the theater because Titanic was also huge for me as a kid. I first saw it at like six or seven. And I was like, wow, the power of cinema. <laughs> um, and it's funny because I think Titanic is like largely to credit for me being both a film critic and a historian, which is like the two things that I do. So, you know, thanks, Big Jim, for that. <laughs> thanks, um, Big Jim. <laughs> but then I got more into film when I was in high school. I distinctly remember The Great Gatsby coming out, um, the Baz Luhrmann one, and being like, that's cinema. Um, and being like, I didn't know you could do that. I've always been really interested in like, works of adaptation um which obviously then makes sense with loving Saoirse Ronan because she's been in you know several big adaptations uh but I, I really was a theater kid and got very into theater in high school and was very into theater in college and that's sort of how I fell into all of this was I joined the Next Best Picture team um just as a theater person I was just doing their Tony show um that's how both Dan Bayer and I joined originally um and I only literally knew about it because I went to college with Will Mavity um and he was like we need a theater person for this you're gonna do it and I was like okay what is this <laughs> um and so then I had been with MVP for I want to say like nine months and Matt was like do you want to just join the film side of it too and at that point I was a, a film critic in London and I was like well yeah like or uh, not a film critic I was a theater critic in London and I was like well how different can writing a film review really be than writing a, a theater review and I did a lot of like research and reading other reviews and stuff and sort of fell into it and especially you know when the pandemic happened and theater was suddenly like not really a thing it, it really pushed me sort of even further into the film world and and now it's something that you know I feel like although theater is always going to be like first in my heart probably mm -hmm. film is a lot more of what I spend my time with these days yeah and it it's so sad when you brought up that theater was like not a thing during the pandemic yeah. because I grew up loving theater as well my yeah. mom got me and my sister into loving theater when we were younger and I I think it's so cool that you're both in the theater criticism <laughs> world and the yeah. film criticism world. I love that range because there's some critics out there that are just sticking to one, but you doing yeah. both. And clearly yeah. you, you have a passion for both of them, so it only makes sense. Like, it would yeah. feel weird, like, you have this passion for theater and film, and it's like, oh, you're writing it both. It only makes sense. It's so, yeah. it, I mean, your you're writing is seriously, and I said this to you off camera, and I'll say it again to the listeners. Nicole is 
one of the best people in this entire community. Her voice is just one of the best. Her articles, her reviews, her podcasts, all that stuff, and just the passion that she brings to both film and theater is really impeccable, and I love it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Of course. And now to go into why you're here, Saoirse Ronan. (laughs) Why do you think a lot of people get excited whenever they see Saoirse Ronan's name to a project? And what makes you such a fan of this performer? Well, I think the thing with Saoirse is that she had a start so young, you know, doing atonement and getting all of that sort of um, praise at that young of an age obviously makes people excited about you. And a lot of young actors who get that sort of praise around a role at that age don't really manage to transition it. But I think that whenever you have actors who do, like the Fanning sisters or even like Abigail Breslin, mm-hmm. um, then people get really excited to see what they do as they sort of are becoming adults. Um, and I think that that's part of the, the thing with Sarah, but I also think like she just is such a talent. Like I genuinely believe that she is one of, if not the most talented actress of her generation, of my generation. Um, and, and I get really excited, you know, I sort of fell in love with her work because she does a lot of period drama, which is very much like my thing. And she does mm-hmm. a lot of book to film adaptations, which are also my thing. Uh, but I just, I love her. I think that she has such a command over her craft. I think that she can give so many different types of performances. And even when she's in movies that might seem similar, she's able to tease out such different work. And she always crafts these characters that feel so well-rounded but she also is someone who has such impeccable chemistry with like it feels like all of her Mm co-stars um you know both her like romantic co-stars but also her you know just just you know people who are playing her family members or her friends or whatever like her and Beanie Feldstein and Lady Bird like god that chemistry is insane um and and I think you know the chemistry between her and Florence Pugh and Emma Watson and and um Eliza Scanlon and Little Women is like some of the best I've ever seen on screen but I think that you know I love Sarah because she's someone who definitely seems like she's in it for the craft and she takes it very seriously and she is always churning out good work you know she's done a couple of films that are like not the best but it's it's sort of a tom holland effect where like even when she's in a film that i don't think it's very good she is the best thing in it and she i've never seen her give a performance that i didn't think was good yeah i agree with you i also think that saoirse is the best actress of her generation (laughs) i really do believe that and obviously there are a few films in her catalog that i haven't seen but every time i've seen her in something she always gives 110 percent. even when she's in it for the teeniest amount of screen time she always pumps out a great performance regardless of how big or small the character that she's playing is and i love her range she is very big into period pieces like you brought up and i'm also a sucker for period pieces i love myself a good period piece but i do love when saoirse also steps out of her comfort zone and does a non-period piece like when she did hannah that was insane. Yes. Like, that was insane. What a because, film. <laughs> like, seriously, what a film. And, you know, like, you went from seeing Saoirse and all these period pieces, and all of a sudden she did this action movie where she played a young assassin. You're like, what? Like, yeah. where did this come from, Saoirse? <laughs> <laughs> Leave it to Joe Wright to do that for her. But, yeah, I I love Saoirse Ronan. She is one of the best working today. And also... Her fake American accent 
is so sublime. It's so perfect. I, I there are so many people that can't nail the fake American accents, but she, yeah. I mean, she hides that Irish accent really freaking yeah. well, because then I... you because then you see her in Brooklyn, you're like, oh, you're like, oh. whoa. <laughs> Yeah, I honestly think maybe there's something too. Like, are the Irish better at American accents than the English are? I don't want to like start like a culture war right now, mm. but like, I you know feel what? That's like a, that that's a very a good. Th- no, that's actually a really good question. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of any other a- Irish actors on top of my head that do great fake American. Michael Fassbender, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know who. I else can't do. think who of else? any Irish actors who do like bad american accents and i can think of a lot of english ones you do um benedict cumberbatch i'm looking at you oh (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh man yeah i i love saoirse and i'm so excited to be talking with you about her today and i knew that when i wanted to do a saoirse episode i'm like i gotta get nicole on i don't know anyone else that's a bigger saoirse fan than her so it only it only makes sense and also by the time she turned 25, she got four Oscar nominations. Meanwhile, I'm about to turn 25, and it's like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Yep, yep. <laughs> no, crazy. It's, it's insane what she's accomplished, like, for her age. It always makes me feel a bit like, and what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but, she, but she is honestly, like, one of the best. She is so freaking good at what she does, and I'm so, so curious to hear your top five list so without further ado let's just get right into it our top five favorite films starring Saoirse Ronan so Nicole what is your number five favorite Saoirse Ronan film of all time okay so this is an interesting one because I actually watched this movie for the first time last night um because I was like wait a second this is a movie I feel like could actually crack my top five um and I was like to hell with it we're watching it now and it's actually Loving Vincent um, I am a huge Vincent Van Gogh fan. Uh, I'm like, that's been sort of my hyperfixation for the past like three years. Um, to the point that my dog is named after Vincent Van Gogh's brother, Theo. Huh. And so like a Vincent Van Gogh animated film with Saoirse Ronan is basically like catnip for me. <laughs> oh yeah, um, it was made, it was tailor made for you. <laughs> it really was made like for me. Um, and you know, her, her voicing Marguerite, Marguerite Gachet in that movie, first of all, I think, like, she does really interesting work. It's so cool to see her do that sort of, like, voice work. But also, the way that that movie is crafted and how they did, you know, the, like, um, motion capture and, and, and you know, turning everyone into paintings. Like, seeing Saoirse Ronan sort of, like, as a painting is very cool. Um, and again, you know, seeing her sort of blend into that period world in this different way is really fun. But I think that that movie is so beautifully crafted. It's definitely the most, like, experimental thing she's ever done. Um, because, you know, it is the first movie that was ever, like, entirely painted animation. Um, and I think it's such an interesting story that they're telling. And, you know, like, historians still have a lot of questions about Vincent Van Gogh's death. So to see it play out in a narrative fashion like that is really interesting. And I think that her character in general and sort of exploring that relationship is really, really interesting. And she obviously like brings such a humanity to her voice with it and like such an empathy for, for things. And, and I think that she's really splendid, but also that movie, it just floored me. Like I wasn't ready for it. Um, so I, I really toyed, there were three things that I had like tied for my number five spot, but then I was like, 
no, I'm the Vincent Van Gogh girl. What am I saying? <laughs> so it has to be loving Vincent. So that's one, unfortunately, that I haven't been able to see. I remember when that came out, when I was so busy with school, it was like, yep. there was like, Calling By Your Name, Lady Bird, and all these Oscar movies coming out. And then that came out, and I'm like, oh my God, when am I going to be able to see that? And I'll yeah. be honest, I totally forgot she was in that. And it's been <laughs> high on my watch list for so long, because as someone who loves animation, like, I always love watching the non- mainstream animations yeah. like the very unique animation styles like i remember seeing the trailer for this when it came out i'm like this looks really cool like the animation is so unique is and awesome. so out of left field and just hearing about what went into it with filming a live action and using some rotoscope and painting and everything it's like oh my god they, they really went all out yeah and and unfortunately films like that i mean even though it did end up getting an oscar nomination for anime feature it's like oh unfortunately films like that will never win the oscar it's like if it isn't disney it's not gonna win unfortunately <laughs> and yeah. look i love a lot of the disney animated films but it's nice to see films like this come around every so often it's one of the reasons why i loved um Apollo 10 and a half from Richard Linklater yeah. so much because it was a very unique kind of animation that isn't what we're used to seeing at least here in the United States but yeah mm -hmm. that's a really really cool pick and it felt <laughs> very much in the Cole Ackman pick so <laughs> yeah. it's like it only makes sense that it was on the list so yeah, <laughs> yeah like of course I went there <laughs> of course of course absolutely and my number five a lot of people are probably going to be angry that this is this slow on the list I'm really sorry to everyone in advance my number five is Atonement from 2007. And I will say that I had seen bits and pieces of this film throughout the years, but I had never seen the full thing until yesterday. And listen, James McAvoy, could you be my daddy, please? Oh, my God. Kira Knightley? Even that movie. Oh, my God. Mommy. Like, yeah. th that's literally mommy and daddy. <laughs> Literally. It's also so funny because, like, I can't get off of Harry Potter TikTok, um, but I'm okay with it because I'm on, like, Marauders TikTok, and everybody mm -hmm. uses them in that movie for, like, Andromeda, Black, and Ted Talks, <laughs> and every time it comes up, I'm like... You know what? I don't want off of this this part of TikTok. Like, just keep showing me Kira Knightley edits. Like, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I literally see her in that green dress on my TikTok at least twice oh, a day. Oh my god, I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna get to that very shortly. Yeah. Um, yeah um, this is quite a beautiful romance. It's a very heroin watch as well. It's really interesting what Joe Wright is able to do with this film. The way he tells the story throughout the film and the different perspectives. I really was caught off guard by that, where you would see stuff from Saoirse Ronan's perspective, and then you would see what's going on with Kira Knightley and James McAvoy, and you're like, whoa, this is like a re really unique way of telling this period romance, but my God, it's absolutely fantastic. If you're going to do a great period piece, leave it to Joe Wright to knock it out of the park. Pride and Prejudice, Anna Karenina, Cyrano, where my Cyrano oh stands my God. at. Like, oh my god. Uh, Cyrano stands, like, oh. let's rise, please. Yeah, um always. <laughs> uh, but I really was blown away by this film. And to talk about Sersha, she was 12, I think, when they made this movie. And it's one of the best child performances I may have ever seen. It's really riveted stuff to act 
like alongside Kira Knightley and James McAvoy, who were already like neck deep into their acting careers, and then you have this kid who's acting literally on the same level as them, and you're like, oh my god, like where did this girl come from? Where did Joe Wright find her? She delivers a gut-wrenchingly great performance. She has that childlike sensibility to her, but she's also an inspiring writer. I love how the movie starts with her writing the play. She's like, oh, I wrote my first play. And she's so excited about it. Then all this drama happens, and it's so, so good. And, I mean, like I said, when it comes to a period piece, Joe Wright knocks it out of the park. You could say what you want about the storytelling, but the scope of his films is really impeccable. The costumes, the sets, the score, the makeup, the hair, everything is spot on and listen i don't talk about dresses extensively in cinema the way that everybody was talking about that red dress that margot robbie wore in babylon that's how i felt when looking at kira knightley's green dress in this movie that green dress is like everything (laughs) like i i just i i literally never thought that i would be like that much in awe of a dress on screen like i i never thought that i'd be like wow atonement was great but that but that green dress <laughs> i even love how there's a separate wikipedia page for uh green dress akira knightley <laughs> it deserves it though <laughs> like it's lit- there's literally a full wikipedia page about it and That's then it says following the film's release the green dress receives widespread praise attention and acclaim <laughs> And yet Jacqueline Durant did not win the Oscar for it. She should have won the Oscar specifically just for that dress. She should always win the Oscar if you ask She me. really should. <laughs> I mean, like, she, the fact that she only has two Oscars to her name is really sickening. Insane. Like, yeah. and look, the films that she won the Oscars for are obviously very deserving because, like we just said, she's deserving to win an Oscar for every single film that she's done. <laughs> but her work in, a, in Atonement, particularly, beside, aside from her Oscar-winning work, that might be my favorite work that she's ever done. And I don't know. I, maybe it's because of the green dress. I don't know. But <laughs> the, the, I, I also just really found the film to be beautiful and sweeping and grand and epic. And the performances from everybody, aside from Sir Ronan, are great. James McAvoy's great. Kira Knightley's great. Cumberbatch is in this. And I'm just like, whoa, Cumberbatch? Cucumber Patch. He's, yeah. he's very good in this. I literally did not know he was in it the first time I watched it, and I was like, whoa. Ne- neither did I. I was like, oh. Yeah. I was like, oh, an imitation game reunion. There was like a yeah. sequence where they sat next to each other. I was like, oh, imitation game reunion. I love that. And then, oh my God, who there was someone else in it that caught me off guard. Oh my God, Juno Temple. That, yeah. that literally caught me off guard because big Ted Lasso fan over here. And mm-hmm. I recently watched uh, Notes on a Scandal with Kate Blanchett. And when I saw her in that as Kate Blanchett's star, I was like, oh, whoa, what, what, whoa. And, yeah. <laughs> and and then she was in Atonement and I'm like, oh, amazing. Just incredible stuff. Yeah, I mean, this is not my favorite film from Joe Wright. I, I'm a big Pride and Prejudice fan. That's probably my favorite thing that yeah. he's ever done. But this is like, Right, it's right there. It's very close. Yeah. There was a period where Joe Wright was on a very hot streak. Pride and Prejudice, this, Anna Karenina I really like. I'm not yeah. too big on Darkest Hour. I wasn't too big on that. <laughs> and and look, I, Joe I, Hannah obviously is good, but that's not a period piece. Yeah. Pan, what a misfire in my opinion. God, yeah. Like, and look, I love Daddy Hugh Jackman, but good God. Like, seriously. Like... I'm sorry, as soon as he was saying Nirvana, I'm like, no. 
no no thank you it's like and i'm then, out <laughs> it's seriously and then cyrano no. of course is incredible right but uh, I, yeah. I truly like there was a little while there where i was like okay he has the holy trinity of atonement pride and prejudice and anna Karenina, and he may never make another good movie and then he made cyrano and i was like oh he still got it he <laughs> like, still got it still yeah. got it <laughs> Yeah, Atonement is great. There's so much that could be said, but Saoirse Ronan, the fact that she also received an Oscar nomination at 13, they never nominate child performances anymore, no. which is really sickening. There's, I could tell you probably at least 10 child performances that have come out in the past 10 years that should have gotten nominated. The last child performance that got nominated was Covenchene Wallace for Beast in the Southern Wild, and that was that was ten, literally 10 years ago. Yeah. And there's so many performances. Um, I'm still not I mean, over um, Woody Norman being snubbed for Come On, Come On. Like, I, come on, Woody guys. Norman being snubbed. Roman Griffin Davis being snubbed for Jojo Rabbit. Like, I mean, oh, even this so year, good. if I could nominate anyone, I would nominate Frankie Corio for After Sun. Like, oh, especially yes. since Paul got in. Yeah. Like, come on, Seriously. Seriously, no. Cammy. Like, what the fuck are you doing over there? Anyway, we're not going to get into an Oscar discussion. If you want to hear Oscar talk, go listen to Oscar Central. You'll hear about Oscars all the way over there. So, Atonement is my number five. Are you going to pass or is this not on your list? I am going to pass. Amazing. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. So, now going into our number fours, what is your pick? My pick is Brooklyn. Uh, and Brooklyn was actually, I'm fairly certain, the first Saoirse Ronan film I ever saw, other than Arietti, <laughs> um, which she does voice the character of Arietti in the English dub. Um, <laughs> I forgot she was in that. <laughs> yeah. But I, so I was like aware of Saoirse Ronan, but hadn't really seen her work. And then I was living in New York City for a summer before my senior year of college, and she was doing the crucible which was directed by ivo van hove uh-huh. um and my friend and i won like rush tickets to go see it and we were like we don't really like we've not really seen her work like let's just watch something of hers literally the day before like the day that we were going to see it that evening and um first of all the crucible she was great terrible production i'm not a fan oh. of ivo van hove um i like the crucible in general just this production was the epitome of like trying to be too artsy yeah. Uh, but we sat down and we watched Brooklyn. And let me tell you, watching Brooklyn for the first time as a 17-year-old living in New York City for the first time, um, not having seen your family in months, uh, it's different. We literally, my friend and I, were like tears just streaming down our faces in certain points of it. But Brooklyn is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think that it is such a beautiful piece of work on like every single level, you know, from the craft work to God. I mean, the cast in that movie is insane. Obviously, you know, Saoirse Ronan is giving this like beautiful lead performance, but also you've got Jim Broadbent, who is one of my favorite actors. You've got Julie Walters and Uh, you've got two Harry Potter people. Oh my god, yes. And, okay, a third, you've got the man of my heart, Donald Gleeson. Yes. Um, which, my biggest problem with Brooklyn is that, like, spoilers, but um, I would never leave Ireland and him. Um, I'd be like, goodbye, Italian man. Um, I'm like, I don't understand this choice. <laughs> like, where? what are you doing? <laughs> Dom Hall, if you're listening to this, Nicole's yeah. never going to leave Ireland. <laughs> I won't. Um... No, truly, like, I'm just trying to make Brendan Gleeson my father-in-law. Um, but... <laughs> I almost made Brian spit coffee. Um, 
But no, this movie and the way that it deals with these themes of family and and independence and moving out on your own and homesickness and and you know the way that sometimes you leave home and you go back and you feel different but it's not different and trying to reconcile that and and you know the things that she experiences in America and god that ending of it with you know her on the boat talking to the the young girl who's coming over for the first time kills me every time like I just really think that this work is such a masterpiece and her performance in it you know and I, I read the book and in the book her character is like quite unlikable um and I think that what she does so well is take a character who is like actually very annoying um and kind of hard to understand she like reacts in kind of weird ways to a lot of things and make her you know, without taking any of that away and without changing any of her choices, make her a lot more empathetic and make her a lot easier to understand where she's coming from. And, and, you know, you see sort of when she is acting from a place of, of pain and of hurt. And I just, I mean, I could talk about this movie all day long. Um, but I, I think that Brooklyn is one of Sarah's best performances. I am going to pass on this one. Okay. <laughs> I'm very excited to talk about yeah. it myself. So my number four, this is the only film on the list where it's a pretty small role, but my love for this film is so incredibly high that I would have been remiss if I didn't mention the Grand Budapest Hotel as my number four. Wes Anderson is one of my favorite filmmakers working today. His style is just so unique and it's so different from practically every filmmaker working today there's so many filmmakers that want to replicate wes's style but spoiler alert you can't replicate wes's <laughs> style it's only wes that could do wes's style so what could be said about the grand budapest hotel that has been said already i mean the imagery is some of the best that i have ever seen every shot is literally a pain it's so beautiful and so gorgeous i literally do not understand how this did not win Best Cinematography at the Oscars. And listen, I am a huge Birdman stan. What Lubezki did in that film is really wonderful and very impressive. But let's be honest, aside from the whole one-shot technique, the cinematography in Birdman is not the best, although there are shots in that film that have stuck with me ever since I saw the movie almost 10 years ago. But the Grand Budapest Hotel is, on a technical level, literally a marvel. This plot score is one of my favorite scores of all time. This is not the only time we're going to be talking about Alexander Desplat on today's episode. Um, the costumes are incredible. The makeup, especially on Tilda Swin, is impeccable. And the entire ensemble, regardless of how big or small their roles are, they're all great. Ray Fiennes, comedic Ray Fiennes. I love comedic Voldemort. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says. I I want Voldemort to do more comedy. Like, when I saw the menu a few months ago, I was like, oh, my, oh God. my God. Voldemort doing comedy? Can we please get more of that? Because, like, he's that so funny. That is the funny. Ray Fiennes that I want. <laughs> like, seriously, listen, I love, I love him in his serious films. I love him in his period pieces and historical dramas. But Rafe, could you please do more comedy? Because, like, you're, you're really great. You have great comedic timing. Yeah. Like, his delivery of Taco Tuesday is so good <laughs> in the menu. Yeah. It's so good. Um, he is really wonderful here as M. Gustav. Like, every time he says Darwin at the end of every sentence is so great. I don't know what sort of cream they put on you down at the morgue, but I want some. It's so good. It's so good. And Sersha's performance as Agatha, it's a pretty small performance, but she has this relationship with 
the lobby boy whose name I forgot. I know his name in real life. Oh my god, what's his name? Some Grand Budapest Hotel fan I am. Oh my god. Zero. Zeno. Zero. And um, I love their banter together. I love their relationship. They're so good together. And Sersha really is hysterical here. This was the first time that I saw her using her comedic chops and i was like oh she's actually she has really good comedic timing and i hope that down the road we get to see more of her doing the comedy and spoiler word thankfully because of a certain person with the initials gg we do see that so thank you gg for that <laughs> yeah i love i love the grand budapest hotel it's not my favorite wes anderson film but it's very high on my list and I love that she has collaborated with him again. She has a small role in the French Dispatch, a film that I very vocally did not like as much as I wanted to. <laughs> but I loved Sersha's time on screen. She was only in it for five minutes, but I enjoyed her her I think appearance it was some of in the, best the film. Five minutes. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And Wes Anderson is no stranger to having great five minute segments with these actors that you love, like having Henry Winkler in there and the star of the movie, and then having. Sersha at the end of the movie I was like oh thank god she's here because the entire time I'm like where's Sersha where's Sersha where is she literally me I'm like is she gonna be in the segment with Timothy because that's the third time that they work together if only Wes come on man what the fuck (laughs) but no I love the Grand Budapest Hotel it's a really terrific film and yeah if, if you have not seen the Grand Budapest Hotel I mean what is the matter with you like you gotta watch it seriously you need to watch it if you don't watch it and if you listen to the show you can't listen to the show anymore <laughs> so go watch grand budapest hotel and then come back to listen to the rest of the show so i assume this is not on your list but i'm just gonna ask anyway are you gonna pass or is this not on your list it's not on my list um but i do think it's a really good pick it is my favorite wes anderson movie i think that it's so interesting because like some of the themes that it's dealing with are you know actually quite dark for how like light and frothy all of the um you know design of it is and i thank god you can't like it's hard to find a more beautifully designed movie than the grand budapest hotel and like you said that score by desplat like is so insane and i also think that tony revolori is like a really underrated actor oh he's so Um, good i love him you know i love him honestly i love him in the mcu i love him in this i think that he's such a good comedic actor and very good at doing comedy and like different ways um and i think that you know like you said sarah's just great in this movie um and her like little bit tilda swinton like oh my god i mean oh when is tilda god. Swinton not great though let's be honest oh and seriously i also am a huge willem dafoe fan um so of course i love this um yeah anytime <laughs> willem dafoe did... is in something it gets better <laughs> did you just did you just throw my cat out of the window yeah. <laughs> when he threw Jeff Goldblum's oh my cat God, out the window. so funny. Like, um, yeah. So I, I love Grand Budapest Hotel. And I truly, one of my, like, you know, everybody has those regrets about, like, films that they didn't see in the theater whenever they came out. And this is one of mine because I would have loved to have uh, seen it on, like, a big screen. Um, but even, it plays well on a small screen, too, I think. Like, but, yeah, that's that's a really fun pick. And also, like, you know, sort of from that time period when Sersha was doing a lot more supporting work before she like really struck it big so i yeah. think that's that's a great pick and i just love her delivery of a uh, i'm a baker i'm not a fence if that's the term yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
it's 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 so good. Oh my god. It's and honestly one of my favorite shots in the film is where you get that close up on her face and it's sparkling right around her, <gasps> all the circle. It's so good. It's so yeah. good. Seriously, how did this not win cinematography? <laughs> I, Wes, you may have to um make your film in one shot to get you a film of yours to win the Oscars. So um yeah. Asteroid City better be one long take, buddy. <laughs> like I want to see the camera just pan from Tom Hanks to Maya Hawk and just go in one big yeah. circle and not cut. So let's make that happen, <laughs> please. <laughs> so now going into our number threes, what do you have? My number three is Atonement, which I don't think will surprise many people at all. Uh, I love Atonement. And it's so it's quite funny. I actually put off watching Atonement for a long time because I'd heard like, oh, it's really devastating. It's really devastating. And I was like, you know what? I don't need that. Um, you know, I'm a huge Joe Wright fan. I especially love anytime Joe Wright works with Keira Knightley. It's like magic. Oh, and it's the best. Pride and Prejudice and Anna Karenina are two of my like top 10 movies of all time. And so I put off seeing Atonement and then I finally one day was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Atonement. And I told a friend of mine this and he was like, do not watch it by yourself. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, and he was like, no, no, get your roommate to watch it with you. You're going to need company. And I was like, I'm going to be fine. He literally was like, I will text your roommate if you don't do this. I was like, okay, thank God I didn't watch this movie by myself because it destroyed me. Um, it is such a fascinating film and like you said the way that it plays with perspective is really interesting the way that it plays with ideas of what is true and what is false and I think that's something interesting that you see like in another later Sarah Sharona movie is this idea of what is this character writing based on her life versus what actually happened in her life um and obviously like this entire cast is incredible I mean down from like Alfie Allen um, is in it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, Harriet Walter, who I adore, Benedict Cumberbatch, Juno Temple, um, Brenda Blethlin, who, who we know and love from, you know, Pride and Prejudice, uh, mm -hmm. Vanessa Redgrave. Also, like, I watched yes. this the year after I saw Romola Garre in a, um, play in the West End, which was actually a play that is essentially the same thing as the favorite and she was playing like the Rachel Weiss character so it was very oh. fun to see her do something like quite different um but yeah and then obviously like this main cast like James McAvoy in this like oh my god um, daddy literally yeah daddy. I mean let's let's be honest though like this is the man that we all were attracted to when he was like half goat so like of course he's beautiful <laughs> in this movie I'm um, so happy you brought that up because yeah. <laughs> when I when I saw that movie when it came out I remember my mom took me and my sister to go see it and my sister was like that half goat he was hot <laughs> I remember and, that so well <laughs> oh my god and then Kira Knight I mean Kira Knightley like you said Kira Knightley is mother um, but Kira is like one of my other big favorite actresses. I mean, obviously, if you're a period drama girly, like it all comes down to like Kate oh, wins like Kira Knightley and Sarah Ronan, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, and and God, Kira in this movie. And I think you know the movie plays with some really interesting ideas, not just around memory and perception and everything, but mm -hmm. you know around class and around war and sort of family and all these things. And and it's such a devastating watch. And I like literally in my mind right now can perfectly imagine, you know, you know, the scene at the end with Kira Knightley. Um, mm -hmm. It like haunts me um, yeah. to, to the point that like, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I was living in New York when I watched it and like then going down into the subway stations. I was like, <laughs> um, oh, geez. 
Yeah, it was all I could think about <laughs> for like weeks. But I also think like Sersha in this film, and it's so interesting because she's playing a character who truly is like in many ways so despicable. Um, but she does, like I said before, I think that there's something about her that she can make a really unlikable character really engaging. And you're, you're, she makes you able to understand their motivations at least, even if you're like, don't do it, don't do it. Um, and there, God, this movie, there's so many shots in it that I think stick with you like so long afterwards. And like you said, also, I mean, like God, the costuming in this film, the production design in this film, honestly, also talking about one shot sequences, this movie did 1917 before 1917 happened it, basically it did. like it did. and i and i think that that the way that it does the war sequence in this film is so stunning it's and so like, it's some of the best war that i've seen on the on screen absolutely. like it's, it, it's 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 really impeccable work you really could watch that as like a short film like outside mm -hmm. of this the movie itself and still absolutely. be like completely emotionally impacted by it 100 yeah i i love this movie so much like joe wright give us another book to film period adaptation with like let's get Kira Knightley and Saoirse Ronan back together because I would love to see them work together now that you know Saoirse's like an adult um mm -hmm. I think that could be something really interesting that would be a really cool reunion if Joe Wright Kira Knightley and Saoirse Ronan it would be the level of excitement for that would be the same as when it was announced that Martin McDonough was working with Colin Farrell and yes. Brendan Gleeson again. Like that, like that would be the high amount of hype. Like the hype. Yep. Uh, I guarantee you, film Twitter would probably crash if that oh, happens. Oh yeah, like it, I mean, it I would, would crash. crash. <laughs> you you would crash. <laughs> Could someone check on Nicole, please? Literally. Is Nicole doing okay? <laughs> we we honestly, while we're like killing film twitter with this dream movie we may as well throw timothy chalamet in there too because i really now you're gonna kill me well yeah well i really want him to work with joe wright because i think he's so good in a period piece i i feel um, like it's gonna happen down the road i feel like it's meant to happen it's gonna happen at some point i feel like him and Kira knightley could definitely play like siblings or something oh so, yeah you know oh yeah Make it I, happen, Joe, right? <laughs> I, fir I firmly believe that that could happen i yeah i think it could happen <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> now 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 I'm gonna be thinking about this all day. Like I'm gonna be watching the Super Bowl tonight and I'm gonna be like, no, all I'm thinking about right now is the possibility of Joe Wright, Kira Knightley, Saoirse Ronan, and Timothy working together. Yeah. It's all I'm yeah. gonna be together. Screw screw the <laughs> screw football. This is we're thinking about cinema right now, so yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh that's a great that's a great pick. That's a great pick. And my number three is Brooklyn, which you just elegantly talked about so beautifully and I just watched this for the first time yesterday as well, oh similar gosh. to Atonement. And yeah, I mean, what a beautiful film. I've become a big New Yorker for someone who doesn't even live in New York. I go into New York probably more times than I ever should. But my God, I mean, first of all, they nailed the period so beautifully. Like, I feel like I was watching a film that was set in this time. Like, I felt like I was watching the film from that time. And oh my God, Sersha's performance is... She is incredible in this, and it's a very heartbreaking performance. And I didn't bring this up before, and I'm going to bring it up now. So I have a thing of where when certain actors cry, regardless of the context, you find a way of crying with them. Yep. Sersha <laughs> is one of those actors to where when she cries, you just cry with her, even if you're like, I don't understand the context. I just, <laughs> like, 
she's just one of those actors that is able to convey so much so beautifully without even saying anything. So she really knocks it out of the park. And it's a really beautiful performance. And the entire cast around her is great. I mean, you brought Jim Broadband, Julia Waters, uh, Damal Gleason, uh, Amore Cohen. I think he deserves a shout out for being an Italian man. Like he, he was good. He was good. And yeah, everyone was great. And obviously I'm not going to spoil anything for anyone who hasn't seen it, but the character of Rose, is that her sister's name? Um, I, I, I can't spoil anything, but with what happens to that character, like, killed me. Like, I, it, it hurt so much watching it. It hurt. It stunned like a bee. It was really, really bad. But yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful romance and all the period work is done beautifully the sets the costumes all that stuff the score is incredible i think the screenplay is fantastic and john crawley directed the hell out of this i think he did a fantastic job it's a shame that the film he made after this was a massive pile of poop to me to me i i i hated the goldfinch i'm sure there's some defenders of it out there but my god what was he doing with that Are movie there? <laughs> there, i'm sure listen there was only two good things about the goldfinch one was Deacons' imagery and two was mm. the usage of a Radiohead song. When you have a Radiohead song in a movie, that's automatically gonna bump it up a star for me. Like I'm not a big yeah. Romeo plus Juliet fan, but when Romeo walks out to talk show host playing, that's one of the best character introductions of all time. I okay, honestly, I still haven't even seen the Goldfinch, which is funny considering like I love Finn Wolfhard, but I still can't make myself see it because I think it the was, thing is it's so boring, Nicole. It's so boring. And and the thing is, I feel like any like good will I might have been willing to give it, like it's zap because like I'm like I don't want to watch Ansel Elgort, so like right, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's so it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> like it, I almost walked out of that movie like four times. Like I, I have never walked out of a movie in my in my life. I still haven't to this day. But I, I, I was clo- like, I was close. I was very close. I feel like going from Brooklyn to the Goldfinch is honestly kind of like going from the father to the son, where you're like, <laughs> where did the talent go? Seriously, <laughs> where did the talent go? Like, and I don't know if I could entirely blame John Crawley because it was the Goldfinch was directed fine, but like. It was the screenplay that like ruined it all. But again, when you have someone like Nick Hornby writing the screenplay, you're destined to get something great. And I mean, he's a guy whose screenplays that I pretty much love. I can't really think of any that I don't like on the top of my head. But I will say that I have to load up what he wrote just for reference. But I really love... I love About a Boy and... I love. What else did he? Oh my write? god! Wait, let's see. I'm oh my god! Going through his stuff right now. Let's see what he wrote. Uh oh! Wait, he didn't even write high um about a boy. He wrote the book oh, that got turned okay. into the movie. So he wrote an education, which I have oh, not seen. <gasps> an education is one of my favorite films of all time. I, I need to see it. I love Carrie like, Mulligan, so I need to okay, watch that. Carrie Mulligan. Rosamund Pike, Alfred Molina, Emma Thompson, Sally Hawkins. Like, everyone is in that movie that you don't expect. <laughs> is is Pierce Sarsgaard in that movie? Is he in that? Yes. And Dominic I, Cooper. 
ooh, I like both of them. So <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so I will watch. Uh, what else did he? Oh, so he hasn't written the film since Brooklyn. He also wrote Wild, which I I love that movie. I really do like Wild. Yeah, I I love that movie. I think that movie doesn't get the recognition it deserves. Reese, her performance is impeccable in that. Yeah, and we'll be talking about the person who plays her mother very shortly in this episode so (laughs) stay tuned for that no i i mean you pretty much nailed everything about brooklyn there's so many great things to be said about this movie and yeah saoirse's work is really wonderful and my god that ending on the boat where she's talking with that young woman basically telling her what that woman told her when she was going to new york for the first time is so good lock the bathroom door um do this and do that it's oh so great and that that shot of her just leaning against the wall, waiting for him to come out, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> and also Joel Maisel is in this movie, so so wild seeing him. Yeah. I always I, I get serious whiplash anytime I see him and stuff. <laughs> and outside of Maisel, it's just so weird yeah. for me to see him and stuff outside of that show. But yeah, I really loved Brooklyn. I was blown away, and I'm sad that I didn't see it when it came out, and I'm sad I didn't see it sooner because my god. Like, really, what a beautiful film. I loved it so, so much. All right. It's time. It's It's time. time. Okay. This is where I make people mad at me. (laughs) Because I think everyone knows what my number one is going to be. So that leaves me, like, with one slot. Yes. When I don't say the film that everyone's going to think I'm going to say, I feel like people are going to be like, are you you good? Um... (laughs) But my number two, and to be fair, though, anyone who followed me on Twitter in like 2017, 2018, 2019 already knows what I'm about to say, Um, which is that my number two movie is Mary Queen of Scots. Um, (laughs) Yeah, Brian is shocked. Um, Mary Queen of Scots is a film that is incredibly personal to me. Um, so, and, like, I feel like every time I talk about this movie, I have to give, like, a disclaimer, because I will say, first of all, Mary Queen of Scots, like, the historical figure, has been one of my hyperfixations since I was, like, eight years old. Um, and it's one of the ones that's, like, never left. So, obviously, whenever they first announced this movie, I was quite excited, especially the cast in Mary Queen of Scots is literally insane. It's Sarah Sharonim, Margot Robbie, Jack Loudon, Joe Alwyn, David Tennant, Guy Pierce, Jimma Chan, Brendan Coyle, Adrian Lester, James McArdle, like, goes on and on and on. You've got so many of my favorite people in here. It's also where Sarah Shah and Jack Loudon met, um, and they've been together ever since, um, which is very cute. If you don't follow Jack on Instagram, highly recommend, because he does put up photos of Sarah Shah. Um, <laughs> and... I, so then it's directed by Josie Rook, who, it was her directorial debut, which it's an insane directorial debut, but she was the artistic director of the Dalmar Warehouse, which is a nonprofit theater in London at the time that she was making this, and um, while they, the film was in post-production, I was an intern at the Dalmar Warehouse, um, so Josie was like my boss's boss, essentially, and I, you know, met her several times, and they got wind basically that I was super excited for this movie and Josie invited me to go and see an early cut of it um while the editors were watching it it was before they did the ADR and put the music in and everything so it was quite a cool experience because they had already figured out like what lines they wanted to redo so it would be it was put on it like as a subtitle but I would hear the original lines 
Um, so that was quite cool because I, I mean, how often do you get to do that? I got to go to like working title studios in London to their theater and see it, which was insane because I'm like a huge working title fan girl. Um, the way that like most film nerds are about like neon and A24, that's like me with like working title and focus <laughs> features. Like those are my people. Um, but so like I, and I was blown away. I think that, you know, this movie is, it really didn't go very far. It partially got overshadowed by the favorite, um, because they came out in the same year, I think. And, and there was kind of like, there's only room for one period drama this year. Um, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it has Margot Robbie's best performance in it as Elizabeth. Um, the makeup work in this film is insane. Um, I mean, obviously, like, it, it it did get two nominations at the um, Oscars that year for makeup and for costume. Um, and a fun fact is I was actually in London for my graduation from my first master's degree whenever the nominations happened. Mm. And I literally jumped up and down on the bed um, in my hotel room whenever <laughs> they got their makeup nomination. But I think this is my, it's my second favorite Sarah Ronan performance. I think she's stunning in this. There are line readings in this that I, I'm not joking when I say I think about them on a weekly basis. Um, I also just think that the way that this film deals with like, uh, the, you know, everything around Mary Stewart and Elizabeth Tudor is really interesting, the way that it sort of plays out, the ways in which they are foils to each other, um, the way that it really shows how Mary really got, like, screwed over by the relationships that she was in is really interesting. Um, I think that this is some of Joel Alwyn's best work. I think it's some of Jack Loudon's best work. I mean, his best work is Benediction, which came out last year, but... I, I, there, I literally can't, like, say enough good things about this movie. Um, I made it my entire personality for, like, a full 18 months. Um, I saw it in theaters, like, four or five times. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's such a stunning film, and, and it's an insane directorial debut. Like, the scale of it is insane. I mean, you've got, like, scenes with whole armies and, you know, Sarah Shaw on horseback and these gorgeous gowns and filming on location in Scotland and it's but I, I really think that what really gets me is that it is one of Sarah's best performances and the range of emotion that she shows in it is insane and it's got her speaking French because that was that was uh, Mary Stewart's like main language that she used and it is also the film that I like consider it my like god-given duty to try to tell as many people as possible about um, <laughs> like I, I truly spread it like I'm like I'm a Mormon and it's the Book of Mormon um, but I, I love this movie so much and I think that you know especially Sersha and Margot are two actresses that like you you don't expect to see in a, in a film set in this time period really and they're both so stunning in it and it's it's a really interesting look at like women and power and it's also one of those movies that you can really feel the fact that there's a female director at the helm of it um in how it deals with a lot of different issues but especially how it deals with um things around like childbirth and fertility which obviously for mary stewart and elizabeth tudor are huge themes in any work about them so i will stop talking because if i don't stop now i won't ever stop <laughs> But this is my plea to everyone, you know, listening to this who, like, probably hasn't seen it to go and watch it because it, I really think it's astounding and it's doing some really creative things. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> I know you've probably not seen it. Like no one. I honestly... I I I, tr- I literally I'm not even joking when I say this. I literally tried to watch this yesterday and somehow it just was not working. Not the movie, yeah. but like I I couldn't. It wasn't. It kept crashing on me and glitching on me, <laughs> and I'm like, is it like God's punishment for me to not watch Mary Queen of Scots? Like no, that's fair. I only got five minutes in and it just kept glitching out on me. I was like, oh, no. what the fuck? I was like, yeah. come on. Like, yeah. it was right before I went to go see Titanic last night. I'm like, I have time okay, to kill. So I'm going like, to go watch Mary yep. Queen of Scots. And then it just wouldn't play. And I'm like, I give up. I can't yeah. even bother. And then <laughs> I woke up it. early this morning to try it again. And it still wasn't working. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> no. Okay, well, like, at some uh, point, you got to, maybe it will work and let you watch it. Because I, that's, that's probably yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> You know, I feel I, like with your taste, you will like it. So I, I think I will too. And I mean, I mean, I love both of the leads. I love Sersha and I, I love Margot too. So like, I, I, I can't see myself not liking it. I don't know if I'm gonna like it as much as you because I mean, who likes it as much as you? But, um, I definitely wanna give it a watch. It was on my list when it came out, but it was just the time. It was just so bad, and I. The inconvenience of living in Jersey is that movies come and then they just go. That movie came and it just left like right away. Same with the fa- the the favorite was very hard to find here in yeah. Jersey right before the Oscars, and I, there was only like one showing one night. It was at like 10 p.m. on a Thursday, and I'm like, is this really the ideal movie to watch at 10 p.m. on a Thursday oh, after being in class no. for five hours today? No. But I managed to make it work. I was about to doze off and then it just. It, the film just worked for me. I was like, oh, okay, I'm wide awake. And then yeah. as soon as the credits rolled, I was like, and I'm like, oh, wait, I had to drive back to my dorm room. So, yay. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I really do want to watch this movie. And, you know, I completely forgot about this movie because I'm like, oh, my God, there's a particular film in my top two that's not even on Nicole's list. This is so shocking. No, <laughs> it's It's insane. It's, it's crazy. I'm like... Oh, man. Oh, man. So we'll talk about that film when we get to it. So my number two is obviously the film that you have at your number one. Little Women is my number two. There's quite a history for this film and for the source material for me. Now, I had your lovely co-host Maggie on a while back to talk about Christian Bale. And she put that adaptation of Little Women on her list. And when oh, yeah. she talked about it and celebrated, I said to her, well, the only Little Women adaptation that I still have ever seen is Greta Gerwig's adaptation. Oh and and crazy enough, when this came out, I had never seen any Little Women adaptations. I not I hadn't read the book. I had no idea what was happening. So oh I God. went into that film just caught because there were probably so many people that went to it being like oh i know what's going to happen because i've read the book or i've seen prior adaptations even though the approach to it which we'll talk about shortly was very different from other little women adaptations but i didn't know what was going to happen at all i didn't know who ended up with who i didn't know who died and who got sick i remember someone telling me well someone dies in this and i'm like well why did you tell me that someone died and like well i didn't tell you who died and i'm like you still told me someone died so now i have to expect (laughs) someone to die so thank you for that but um (laughs) i walked out the movie absolutely floored from start to finish now my hype for this was already high because the film that the director made prior <laughs> rocked my world so yeah. much 
that after that particular film, I'm like, I am literally going to watch anything that Greta Gerwig directs now. And when I found out she was doing a Little Women adaptation, I'm like, oh, awesome. I'll watch that. Then she, the cast was announced, and I'm like, okay, like, I love all these people. So, yes, give it to me now. And this is one of my favorite period pieces of all time. And this film is not even four years old. Like, we just had its three-year anniversary a, a little over two months ago. And I remember just being so riveted by how this was presented, especially for someone who hadn't read the source material before. Because I was a little worried that this was going to cater specifically towards the fans of the source material and not really do much for people who aren't who weren't familiar with it. But... They did something that I was not expecting. What Greta did here by presenting the story in a non-linear fashion, I honestly think made the movie a lot better. And I know there are a lot of people that are ticked off with how movies are told non-linear. I always get fascinated whenever a film uses that approach. But this one, it just worked so well. Yes, it was a little confusing at first, I'll be honest. I, I, at first, it took me a while to get acclimated to it. But once I got into it, I was, like, in right away. Like, I was in from there until the end of the film. And I really think it adds a lot more emotional heft to the story. I think it makes it more compelling and engrossing. And, I mean, the screenplay... I recently tweeted, how did this not win the Oscar for Adapted Screenplay? Now, I like Jojo Rabbit. I am a fan of Jojo Rabbit, and I love Taika Waititi. But to me, Little Women was the best of those five nominees. Uh, to me, I mean, I know everyone has their own opinion, but I think what Greta did with that screenplay was really masterful. And, you know, for a book that had already been adapted, I mean, countless amount of times through film and television and stage like i mean the amount of little women adaptations i mean it's more than how many fingers i have there's just so many of them but i love everything that greta did here it's beautifully directed it's beautifully written she has that greta charm that she incorporates throughout a lot of her screenplays here but she also in incorporates a lot of devastating moments really beautifully and the ensemble here oh my god everybody is fantastic here Literally everybody gives great performances. I'll get to our lead last since, you know, obviously she's our topic as well. But to talk about the sisters first, I think Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scallion, they're all perfectly cast in their roles. Florence Pugh as Amy is really amazing. She is fantastic. And I'm so happy that she ended up getting the Oscar nomination for this role because I remember walking out of Little Women being like, oh my god, Saoirse Ronan was awesome, but Florence Pugh, I mean, wow. And that character started off very unlikable to me. <laughs> and I know a lot of people have talked about how the character of Amy is very unlikable, but also Florence Pugh, when she made that movie, she was like 22, 23, and they made her look like a 13-year-old. I, I dig, it was very jarring when I first saw this movie, and I'm like, oh, there's Florence Pugh who in her 20s, and then there's actual, like, 12-year-olds around her. It's like, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, she's supposed to play a 13-year-old. It only makes sense, but my God. Like, the shift from her as a 13-year-old to when she's older, I mean, you wouldn't even think it's the same character. It's really impressive work. And her whole monologue to Laurie about how she's not a poet, that she's just a woman, you know, the Oscars didn't have clips for their actors that year, which is sickening. I remember when I saw that movie, and I'm like, this is her Oscar clip if she gets nominated for it. 
Like, that is incredible work. And that was a great year for her. That was a great year for Miss Flo. That was a wonderful year for her. Um, Eliza Scallion, who I had never seen in anything prior to this, uh, loved her as Beth. Loved her so much. I feel like a lot of people don't talk about her compared to all the other March sisters, which, I mean, yeah, her name isn't as big as Saoirse, Emma, and Flo, but she did really wonderful work. And I've seen people online criticize Emma Watson's portrayal of Meg, and I'm like, what are you smoking? No. She was so good <laughs> in the movie. Listen... I love, I, I love, I've loved the careers for all three Harry Potter leads post Harry Potter. I mean, Dan, I think, has the best career. I think he is like at the top. But with what Emma's done with Perks of Being a Wallflower and oh Beauty and the Beast and this, I mean, it's really impressive yeah. what she's able to do. And now, um, good old Rupert is working with M. Night Shyamalan and yeah. he's delivering haunting performances. It's, Really impressive stuff, but yeah, all three sisters are great. Let's talk about Laura Dern for a second. Um, look, here's the thing. I'm a huge Marriage Story stan. I fucking love Marriage Story. That was in my top five films of the year. I'm very happy she won an Oscar, but she it won an Oscar for, for the wrong movie. <laughs> yeah. she, she literally won the Oscar for the wrong movie because that was a great performance. In Marriage Story, she was great in that movie, but... I... Nothing about that performance spoke Oscar winning to me. Okay, Adam Driver like... should have won the Oscar for Marriage Thank Story you. that year. Thank you. I like to pretend that she won the Oscar for Little Women instead. And I like I love Marriage Story. It was literally my number two movie of that year. I literally made a video of me like doing my letterbox ranking after I saw Little Women where I like moved it to above Marriage Story because that <laughs> had been my number one. And I was like, sorry, Dad, Mom's movie wins. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, she she has the Oscar for the wrong film. Like, seriously, she has the Oscar for the wrong film. I also love how she got nominated alongside her co-stars. Like, she was nominated alongside Scarlett Johansson, who co-stars with her in Marriage Story. She got nominated alongside Florence Pugh, who co-stars with her in this. And Scarlett Johansson and Florence Pugh got nominated alongside each other. They later went on to do Black Widow together. So it's like all these actors have worked together before. It's like so insane how all these actors have worked together. Uh, it's so good. Uh, I love Meryl Streep as Anne Marge. She's great. She's she's very, very good. All right, let's talk about Timothy as Laurie. Look. T Timothy Chalamet. Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Timothy Hal Chalamet. <laughs> is, that, is that his middle name? It is. His middle name is Hal, which is the funniest thing. Hal? What? Oh, my God. What? I never even realized that. That's... Yeah. <laughs> what? I, I, he doesn't it's look like someone... English. It is. with a very French name otherwise. It is. <laughs> oh my god, he was so good as Glory. So good. Um so beautiful too. Oh my god. Like it's unfair. <laughs> it's unfair how he looks that beautiful. And um the last performance that I have to mention, even though his time on screen is so short, and I will mention him anytime I see him in anything. Bob Odenkirk. My Little Women. <laughs> oh my god. Listen, I didn't even know he was in the movie until I saw it in theaters. So I'm like, oh my god, it's Saul Goodman. Like, I'm shaking up right now. Like, here I am in my seat. I'm like, oh, this... Like, I'm just shaking in my seat. I was like, oh my jump god. Scare. It's a, like, literal jump scare. <laughs> 
And of course, our lead, Sersha, as Joe. I mean, I feel like you'll take the reins when <laughs> we get to talking about it with you, but yeah. wow, she is really amazing here. And it's a really beautiful performance. I love her in this so, so much. The emotion, the whole monologue that she gives that people post about on Twitter all the time is literally one of the best monologues of the past 10 years, in my opinion. Yes. And to quickly brush into the technical aspects, because I cannot push this aside, the score by Despois is fantastic. The costumes are fantastic. The sets are fantastic. Uh, the imagery is gorgeous. At one point, Greta was actually going to shoot this digitally, but it wasn't until Steven Spielberg convinced her, you have to shoot this on film. You have to shoot this on film stock. And honestly, it really added to it. And this is also a great movie to watch during the fall. It's a good winter yes. movie. It's I mean, you could watch this literally any time of it's the year. It's a Christmas but it's just, movie. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie. Merry Christmas yeah. world. It's literally like... Mm, oh, my, my so sister good. and I, since this movie came out, have a thing where Christmas morning, we're, we're not allowed downstairs until like we're ready to open presents. Um, <laughs> so we always at some point like go to one of the windows in one of our rooms and say Merry Christmas world together. That's a thing. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah, I mean, Little Women, it's incredible. It did stuff for me that I wasn't expected to. I walked into it thinking, I'm going to like it probably. I'm going to enjoy it. But I walked out of it absolutely floored. And I'm like, yep, that's a five-star movie in my eyes. Literally a masterpiece, one of the best films of the past 10 years. Love it so much. And I'm trying to think of what else to say. Oh, this is the last thing I'll say before we talk about it with you. So before Emma Watson hopped onto the project, Emma Stone was attached to play Meg. And I'll be honest, I love Emma Stone, but I don't think I could have seen her in that role. No, that literally when she was attached to it, I was like, my worst nightmare is coming true. <laughs> um, And I, I don't dislike Emma Stone. I like her. I I haven't really loved a performance of her since Easy A, but Easy A is like mm. maybe my favorite comedic performance of all time. So I have very weird, conflicting opinions. That's a, on that's her. a great choice, though. That's um, a great choice. You know, and and I I love her in the Spider Man movies, like as Gwen Stacy. Um, mm -hmm. but I she is so does not have the vibes of a Meg March, and also no. I'm so sorry I do not like her in period pieces. She has one of those faces, you know, she's used a microwave. It's just a thing. Like she looks aggressively modern, no matter what clothes and hair you put her in. So whenever they switched that to Emma Watson, I was like, there is a god, and, and they're listening to me. <laughs> And thank God they listened to you because now it's time for you to talk about why it's your favorite <laughs> Sir Sharona film of all time. It actually wasn't. God, it was probably Louise May Alcott's spirit changing things around for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I've talked about this film like so much over the years since it came out. And I feel like I still have 40,000 more things to say. So I will try not to go on for too long. But um, this is not only my favorite Sir Sharona movie. It's my favorite film of all time. Uh, I grew up reading Little Women. I think I had read it like four times by the time I was 15. Um, grew up on the 1994 film with Winona Ryder and Christian Bale, which I still love. That's a great film. Um, I've seen the two older film adaptations. The Catherine Hepburn one is truly astoundingly bad, but it's still worth, <laughs> you know, seeing. 
Um, I will say the one adaptation that I really need to watch and I'm planning on doing that this year is I've not seen the miniseries adaptation with Maya Hawk as Joe March. Um, you and being I the big Maya Hawk fan, you I haven't know, seen it? Me being my, like, <laughs> no, I truly, I've been putting it off because I'm like, I need to, I need to like properly watch this when I'm not stressed out and like let myself enjoy it. Um, so, which means let me get my thesis done first. Um, but when they first announced this movie, I was like, oh no. Because the thing about Little Women is when there's something that feels so like intrinsic to your personality, an adaptation of it can be a really good thing or it can be a really bad thing. Like if you feel like they don't understand the the material and everything. Um, and so I was, I was a little worried. And then it was like, and Greta Gerwig's doing it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, like I trust Greta. I, despite the fact that I don't have it on my list, I really do love Lady Bird. Um, and then they announced Saoirse Ronan was playing Joe. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm in, I'm in. That's it. We're good. And then like as casting rolled in, I was like, okay, Timothy Chalamet, let's go. Um, Emma Watson is like, if I could befriend anyone in Hollywood, I would pick Emma Watson. Like I love her. She has this thing for playing characters that I relate to too strongly. Um, like she's checked off almost all of the characters of my youth that I was like, that's me. Um, <laughs> literally from like Hermione Granger to Belle to Meg March. Cause you know, I'm, I'm like 50% Meg, 50% Joe. Um, <laughs> and my little sister is a complete 100% Amy. Um, <laughs> and, and I, I don't like, that's not an insult. She has self I hope your sister's an, not listening to this. She might be. She's in the room next to me, I think. But she has self-identified as an Amy since she was like five years old. Like oh she God. clung onto it fast. Um but so so you know they cast Emma Watson as this character that I see myself as and I'm like okay. And then they cast James Norton as John Brooke and like I have the hugest crush on James Norton and I worked with him at the Donmar warehouse and he is the loveliest man. So then they cast him as like James or John Brooke was like the crush of my childhood so I was like Greta like do you have like a, a line into my brain what's happening here um but so I was really excited and then the really fun thing about Little Women is I was actually uh in Disney World in Galaxy's Edge in Hollywood Studios with my family mm -hmm. um over Thanksgiving and I got and you know check my emails as we're walking and I will never forget this moment. I can, like, see it in my mind. And I get an email, and it's my first ever invitation to a press screening, and it's for Little Women. Oh. And I literally, standing in the middle of Galaxy's Edge, start bawling. Because <laughs> like, I was like, this is everything I've ever wanted, you know? Um, like, the fact that, the you know, that sort of big milestone as a film critic would be for... Little Women. It was also the first DVD screener I ever received, which was kind mm -hmm. of wild. Um, but in any case, I went to see it with my mom because I got to bring my plus one. And I cried like a baby through like 75% of the movie. Like it was <laughs> embarrassing. But it, and this sounds so like cheesy to say, but I really do feel like this film feels like watching my soul reflected on screen. Like it, feels and I think part of it is that it is such a good adaptation of the book and the book played such a big part in me becoming who I am that you know to see it on screen felt like weirdly like looking in a mirror in some ways and you know there's this quote that Greta Gerwig said in in the press for Little Women and she said I always knew who Joe March was she was the person I wanted to be and like I mean that's everything and I think that that's part of why this film is so good is because Greta Gerwig 
knew exactly who Joe March was. And, and Sarah Sharonin, you know, you've probably heard the stories about how she, like, went up to Greta at an award event for, you know, in the Ladybird um, year and was like, hey, I hear you're making Little Women. I'm going to play Joe. And Greta's like, what? <laughs> okay. And she's like, no, no, like, you know, take some time to think about it. But, like, I'm going to play Joe March. I, I am your Joe March. And I think that, you know, you can feel that so strongly in her performance that she knows this character inside and out. And... You, I, I, like you said, this entire cast is perfect. Um, I mean, everyone from, like, Laura Dern in this role is so insanely good. Her delivery of the whole, like, I've been angry every day of my life, mm-hmm. so good. So um, good. And I, I think that one of the, the best things that they did with this adaptation of Little Women is the way that Greta pulls Louisa May Alcott's life into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like, for example, the fact that they made an actual replica of Orchard House, which is Louise May Alcott's, um, family home that, that yeah. still exists in Massachusetts to film mm-hmm. in. And the fact that, you know, there's lines in it, like some of the lines that Marmy says to Joe are, are from Louise's mother's letters to her, um, which is wow. insane. And, and one of them I know was found by Laura Dern because they, they all really went and did research on the Alcott family to try and like better understand these characters mm-hmm. because the film does some really interesting things and in playing with this meta aspect of like, Joe is Louisa, but she's also not Louisa because she, you know, Louisa and Al- May Alcott never married and, you know, um, playing with that ending, I think is so fun. And, and, is. you know, again, kind of like atonement, we have this idea of like, what that we're seeing is actually true versus what is what we're being told is true versus, you know. Um, and like you said, God, the chemistry between Sarah Sharon and Timothy Chalamet in this is perfect. I genuinely believe that the two of them are like platonic soulmates because you don't have that kind of something with someone without it. Um, they're amazing in it. I Timothy Chalamet is like Laurie walked off the page. Like, it's kind of insane. It's my favorite performance of his because I think that what he's doing and so much of it is so subtle. Um, and and he really nails it. And God, Florence Pugh in this role. I've been in, you know, I am not an Amy girl. That's my sister's territory. I always thought Amy was the most annoying character of all time. Like, I would fist fight Amy in an alleyway after reading the book. Um, <laughs> when she burns Joe's manuscript, I'm like, I would commit a murder. Okay, like, you have no idea what was going in my head when I saw that okay, movie for the first time. Truly. Because, like, I'm like, could you get the fuck off the screen, like, right now? Literally. Fuck off. Like, I love and, you, Florence, but fuck off. <laughs> and I think that Florence is, like, the perfect casting for this role because there is something so, like, appealing and engaging about her, even as she's being this annoying little twerp, you know? And, like, it's so the, like, little baby sister role of, like, you know, she gets away with all of this um, because, you know, she's she's cute and whatever. And then it's one of the first adaptations in, in a film, at least that had the same actress play Amy the whole way through. They, they typically have cast a child actress and then an older actress to, to sort of do the time jump. Um, Kirsten Dunst plays like baby Amy in the 94 version. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that really helps because there is this beautiful through line of watching Amy really come into herself and learn how to be someone outside of her sister's shadows. And you really get that understanding more of the way in which Amy is shaped by having these strong older sisters and then, you know, the way in which she really is a foil to Joe and they sort of are, um, the, the way that it also explores sort of this idea of, 
when you are an artist in some way and the why we create art and why we keep trying and when do we decide to give up and all of that kind of stuff about ambition and and you know being an artist and um my favorite thing about the movie though is how it portrays Meg because I think that she's the character who sort of has been done most dirty by the other adaptations of it and the fact that it gives her a really beautiful arc and and you know I think that what the film does so well is it really does give us a story about four sisters not like here's Joe and her other sisters um and Emma Watson's portrayal of her is so beautiful and I truly like James Norton as Strong Brook is so great and also so funny in this movie in like an underrated way and I think Greta Gerwig is so good at like comedy that is funny just in a real life kind of way not in a like this is a comedy kind of mm -hmm. forced way yeah. um i think so often about the bit where they first go over to the lawrence house and all of these the, you know these three men are so overwhelmed <laughs> by these girls presence um because they're they're loud and they're talkative and and this is a very like quiet somber household and they're they're trying to talking and then like john brooke is just kind of randomly like we have a lovely greenhouse like, out of nowhere. And it's so funny because that's the kind of shit that people actually say, you know? And, and then they're like, why did I do that? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, And there's, I mean, I could truly probably quote this movie from beginning to end. Um, but the, the way that it deals with, you know, all the themes and, and themes of loss and family and ambition. And, you know, as someone who moved to New York to try to pursue a career there and then decided that I was better off back at home with my sister and my family, obviously... It's kind of weird the ways in which my jo my, my life has paralleled Joe March, and um, it makes me love it even more. I mean, this came out, like, not long after I had moved back home from New York, so that was kind of wild to see, but uh, I, I really, Sarah's performance as Joe, like I said, it truly shows that, like, she knows this character inside and out, but every line reading, every bit, there's so many, like... In some ways, I'm like, thank God they didn't do Oscar clips this year because obviously we know the big monologue that people would assume was hers, but you could pick one from, like, any moment in this movie and it would be a worthy clip. Like, yeah. I think so often the argument that she has with um, Professor Bear whenever she asks him to read her writing and then she's like, you know, he, he criticizes it and she flips out. Um, she's like, you are not my friend. Um it would also be a worthy Oscar clip. Like this movie is truly, I think the thing that, that really does show that Serge's talent hasn't just been like a, Oh, she's falling into the right role. She's, you know, uh, you know, Lady Bird. I think everyone was like, Oh, she's the real deal. But like, it, it can't, is she going to get stuck in these sort of teenage roles and not be able to transition? And I think this role sort of, because the character ages allows her to show this range and, and the way that she, I, I mean, I'm so in awe of them for being able to do sort of the split timeline thing. And, you know, because movies don't film chronologically, being able to keep track of, of where they are in their character arc and everything is, I think, especially in a film like this, where you need them to even sort of physicality wise show which timeline they're in um, is really impressive so that the audience can like keep track um but i yeah i think that this is a perfect film <laughs> um i listen to the score all the time and sometimes i cry listening to it um and i think you know the costuming and i know that you know there are some people who don't like some of the costuming and hair and makeup choices because of the historical inaccuracies i would argue that they are trying to make a point like the alcots were essentially 
hippies in the 1860s. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why their hair is down. (laughs) Like, they're supposed to not fit. Um, And the fact that, like, there are costume pieces that Joe and Lori both wear throughout the film. Like, if you don't know this, and I feel like most people do at this point, but the vests that they're wearing in the scene where Meg is, like, going off to the ball and Joe, like, jokingly gets down on one knee and gives Lori her ring are flipped in the scene where he proposes to her Mm. and they're wearing each other's so it's yeah yeah um the level of thought and detail that went into this and there's also so many little details brought over from the book like there's this whole bit in the book about laurie getting joe this big floppy hat because aunt march is like very concerned that she's sunburned and we see like at the beach she's wearing this big floppy hat and obviously there's not really room in a movie to like include that whole little story bit but there's these nods to things from the books that aren't you know fully in the movie all throughout it and I think it is one of those adaptation works that works equally well if you are someone who is you know tried and true steeped marinated in this world or if it's your first introduction to it and I think it's a movie that like you can rewatch it so many times and get something new out of it every time I saw it in the theater I think five times um the last time my sister and I were the only people in the theater so we literally were just quoting the movie along with it as it like (laughs) as it was running because no one else was there to to bother um but it's also one of those films that I've watched it like a dozen times at this point and every time I'm like well this will be the time it doesn't make me cry and every time I'm wrong (laughs) um and every time suddenly I'm like sobbing on my couch um but yeah I like, I, I, what more can I say? It's my favorite movie of all time. I think it's Saoirse's best performance. I don't know how she'll ever top this, but it's Saoirse Ronan, so I'm sure she will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she'll probably find a way of topping this. Yeah, that was all beautifully said. <laughs> and I could definitely hear you gush about Little Women for forever. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, seriously. I mean, I, I've been saying this quote a lot on my podcast, but to quote Al Pacino once upon a time in Hollywood, what a picture. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, what a picture. Like, straight up, what a picture. And my number one is, of course, Lady Bird. <laughs> I am I am really surprised that this didn't make your list, but we'll, I, I'll ask you why yeah, after yeah, we'll I finish talking about it. I mean, I talked about this film a lot on the most recent episode that I did for this show, so I won't repeat too much of what I said, but it'll be hard to contain my high amount of love for this movie. So, Labor was a very interesting film for me because when this came out, I'll be honest, 2017 Brian had a lot of stupid tastes in film. He didn't like Greta Gerwig. I don't know know why I didn't like Greta at that point. I just think that everyone was like Greta Gerwig is the best and I'm like all right let's simmer down just for a second like she's good but everyone just calm down so I I'm a huge coming of age film fan it's my favorite genre of all time anytime there's a high school movie coming out I will be there day one a lot of my favorite films of all time are coming of age films similar to how you brought Powell Live your favorite films are period pieces historical films a lot of my all-time favorite films are coming of age films and I was like, wow, this sounds very much a movie for me. Like, this sounds like a movie that I will eat up and love. And I love everybody in the cast. But I'm like, hmm, Greta Gerwig writing and directing it? I don't know. I'll keep my expectations low, so we'll see where it goes. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me for saying all those things about Greta Gerwig? Because this film is one of my favorite films of all time. 
I have watched it dozens amount of times. I love it so much. Cersei's performance is really incredible. I was really blown away by the comedic chops that she showcased in this movie. I say this every single time I talk about this film on the podcast, but I swear to God, her delivery of There is no role of the Tempest is so good. It's one of the best deliveries of any line. It is the titular role. No, okay. it's a made-up thing so we all can participate. The amount of times I quote Beanie Feldstein going, it's the titular role, is, like, getting ridiculous at this point. Like, I think everyone's like, Nicole, stop saying that. <laughs> no, 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 Nicole, never stop saying that. <laughs> I, I, oh my god, just that delivery of everything is just so good. She made one bad decision at 19, two bad decisions! Oh, my god, she is so fucking good in this movie, it's ridiculous, how great she is she is so freaking funny she is so great her banter with literally everybody in the cast is impeccable every single cast member their back and forth with Sersha is so incredible and i also loved her in the serious moments too the very little amount of serious moments we got throughout this film especially in the third act of the film and i just think it is what you look for in a great coming of age film it shows the growth of this character physically, emotionally, like mentally, all over. It's really incredible. And yeah, there's may not be much of a plot to this movie. Some people have said like there's not much of a plot to this movie. And honestly, that's okay. Like you just follow this girl going through a school year and, you know, her relationships with these guys and her friends and her family, especially her mother who, listen, look, this is another very important thing that I think everybody has said in the film Twitter community. Laurie Metcalf should have won the Oscar for Best Supporting Actress for this movie. Look, I like Allison Janney a lot. I think she's a fantastic actress, and I thought she was really good in I, Tanya, but that was not, and I repeat, that was no. not an Oscar-winning performance. I'm Listen. sorry, but what Laurie Metcalf did in that movie yep. is really incredible, and Laurie Metcalf hadn't really done a lot of film work prior because, of course, mm -hmm. everyone knew her for her TV work. She was also the voice of Andy's mom in Toy Story, but this was, like, really the first time where people saw her in the film and they're like oh my god like Lori metcalf is delivering oscar caliber work and the whole sequence where they're at the um the store and they're getting the dress for her for prom and she's like i wish you would just like me of course i love you but do you like me what is one of this is the best version of myself fuck like oh my god like every time it gets me and there are so many sequences in this movie to where I see, like, the fights between Christine and Mary McPherson. I'm like, okay, I could literally see the similarities between my mom and my sister in these sequences. Like, I could just see the resemblance. And Mr. Larry McPherson, Tracy Letts, best dad of all time, please call me Mr. Larry McPherson. You know what? I will call you Mr. Mar Mr. Larry <laughs> McPherson. Like, yes, please. Yep. Uh, and the entire cast. Lucas Hedges, great. Beanie Feldstein, great. Timothy, I literally wanted to punch him in the face. I literally wanted to punch him in the face. Shut up, Kyle. Hella tight. Shut up, dude. Oh, God. And, oh, my God. Everyone's great in this movie. And, oh, my God. The Neil drops in this movie. The screenplay is great. I just love it so much. I This is one of the most surprising movies that I have ever seen because my expectations for this were super low, even though I love the talent behind the movie. 
in front of the camera. I wasn't too high on Greta, but then I'm like, I can't believe I said all these things about Greta of how I didn't love her and I didn't understand the hype around her. But then I'm like, well, now I completely understand. And I went through her films again. I rewatched Francis Ha right after I saw this. I'm like, this film is great. I rewatched Mistress America. This film is great. Uh, Greenberg, this like Greta when she writes i mean she really delivers and yeah. as a director she is one of the best voices out there and like i said she's directed two masterpieces and we all know that the next film she's doing is also going to be a masterpiece it's so gonna be the best film of all time <laughs> it's seriously it's going to be the cultural reset that we all need <laughs> yes. we have been looking for a cultural reset for the last like four years and we're going to get it with barbie and yeah, Lady Bird is truly amazing. It's one of my favorite films of all time. There's just so much to say that that's been said already. It's one of the best coming of age films, one of the best teen movies, one of the best comedies of the last couple of years. And it walking home with no Oscars on Oscar night is really sickening in my opinion. I'm happy that it got at the nominations it got. I'm really ha I was so excited when I saw Greta in that best director lineup because. I didn't think that they were going to nominate her. I really thought they were just going to nominate these big films like Christopher Nolan and Jordan Peele and uh, Guillermo del Toro and Paul Thomas Anderson. But then Greta Gerwig getting in there, I was like, wow, this is the best best director lineup I think in a very long time because all five of these films are so different from one another. Like you have a horror movie, you have a period romance, you have a war film, you have a another period drama, and then you have... a teen coming of age movie it's like this is the kind of thing that i want the academy to do more of i like that every single film nominated for director was a completely different film yeah lady bird is just one of the best so nicole why the hell did you not have lady bird on your list what what, what why <laughs> okay so lady bird is like tied I, I was really struggling to pick my fifth film um, and I was between Loving Vincent and Lady Bird, and I also want to give a shout out to See How They Run from this past year. Excellent movie. Excellent murder mystery, which I love. Um, and Sarah's just so funny in it, and I love any, any chance that she gets to do, like, more comedic work. Um, the thing with Lady Bird is I do, I do really love this film, and I don't want anyone to think that I don't. <laughs> um, it is a great movie. I literally have the poster in my house. It's not my favorite Greta Gerwig film by any means I'm obviously I'm much more of a little woman girl I'm much more of a Frances Ha girl and I think part of that is and this like might sound bad like I, I appreciate this movie so much on a level of like I think it's so well written it's so quotable um it's so well directed the performances are all great but I don't have the like emotional connection to it that I have to a lot of Serge's other work mm -hmm. um I am not a ladybird in any way shape or form I'm Julie like my best friend and you know Lex and I were talking about mm -hmm. this last night like Lex is Ladybird and I'm Julie um <laughs> and like her plot lines in this I'm like oh god it's me um but not in a way that I like want to be reminded of <laughs> and and also I will say this film really nails on the head um what my taste in men was in high school which is to say like gay guys and assholes um and like a particular brand of asshole like i think maybe there's a part of me that's just uncomfortable watching ladybird i rewatched it last night and i was like oh god i hate knowing that like 16 17 year old nicole would have thought kyle was the hottest shit on earth like no one no one wants to to know that about themselves um, <laughs> but you know i can't escape that knowledge um so i i do think that that's part of it and like 
I'm very hit or miss with coming of age films because like I love the genre, but mm-hmm. sometimes when they're a little too like oh god cringy, I can't do it. Yeah. I don't do well with secondhand embarrassment, and there's a lot of that in Lady Bird. <laughs> um, but no, I do think like it is a, a basically perfect film. Um, like I said, the script in this is so good. the The whole like what if this is the best version of myself thing kills me every single time. Um, like you said, the performances in this are so good all around. Also, and I'm sure you understand this, the way that this film, like, captures what it is to be, like, a high school theater kid is insane. <laughs> like, the, down to the fact that, like, the way that, um, Lady Bird and Julie react when Lucas Hedges gets up there and sings Giants in the Sky. <laughs> it's like, a giant oh, in the sky. Like, that would have been exactly me. <laughs> You know, some boy sings, like, a Sondheim song, like, half decently, and you're like, I'm in love. Um, wait, but then, wait, wait, yeah. <laughs> wait. When, they, when she comes across him in the supermarket, like, the scene oh after, hey, hey, hi, come here often, excuse me? <laughs> literally, literally. Like, I, I literally had a crush on a guy that I was in a school play with, and he later came out as gay. Um... <laughs> That was a running, that like, no, my high school friend group jokes about how often that happened with my high school crushes. Um, but I, I really do think that, like, this is one of the best, like, high school coming of age films of all time. And I also think it's fun to see how this sort of, like, revitalized the genre because I think that, like, there was a while where it seemed like that kind of movie was, like, kind of dead. Um, you know, post, like, John Hughes, and then it seemed like only, yeah. like, you know, you've got sort of the, like, Disney Channel level ones, which are, like, you know, hey, some of those are good. I'm, I'm yeah, not trash. Yeah, I agree, like, I agree. Useful. But, um, it felt like maybe we weren't gonna see, like, a prestige film like that. Not that this is, like, you know, super prestige, because I think mm-hmm. it's very accessible. Yeah. Um, but, and I, I think Sarah's great in it. Like, I think that... She's fantastic. The whole, the fact that the whole film really does sort of come back around to this idea that like, um, the greatest love story in it is between her and Julie and it is this, you know, love between best friends is so lovely. Um, I also will say rewatching it last night, I was like, oh my God, that's, um, oh my God, what is her name? Laura Morano, the girl from Austin and Alley, who I somehow forgot was in this. And then she popped up and I was like, what are you doing here? Um, what about Catherine this, Newton? I forgot she was in oh this my too. God, there's so many people in this that I'm like, what are you doing here? That <laughs> um, I literally had to like get out Internet Movie Database and like go through so I didn't have any more surprises. <laughs> but I also like I will say the character I relate most to in all of Lady Bird is the um, the what is he is he is he a priest pastor? Um, from uh, the other school uh, who's yeah, the director yeah, yeah whenever yeah. he's sitting there after the show and he's like they didn't get it i'm like mm, that's me <laughs> that's me looking at great comet not winning all the tonys um but, yeah i i do love ladybird it's just like not the film that i connect to as strongly i also like there's a part of me this is gonna sound so bad but there's a part of me that's like do i just have too good of a relationship with my mother to like really understand ladybird um and i think that might be true <laughs> like yeah but i like i i love it it's just not it doesn't like capture me it's not the film that i think about all the time in the yeah. way that like the other five films are 
No, I totally understand that. And but I think making were, this list, yeah. I was like, this is going to be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was definitely surprised. And then when you said Mary Queen of Scots, I was like, oh, yeah, she does love that movie. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that one because in my head I was no. thinking like, oh, everyone probably has the same top two, Saoirse Ronan films, Lady Bird and Little Women. I mean, the, like you could have one or the other. Right, but right. But I, I, I think you were trying to say something about Laurie Metcalf before – I, I oh, think you were trying yeah. to say something about I, her. Okay, the thing about Laurie Metcalf is that I'm like, literally, how did she not win this? Because I'm a huge I, Tanya fan. I love I, Tanya. I would have given it more Oscar nominations than it got. Mm-hmm. Like, Margot Ra- I honestly, if you ask me if I think, like, Sarah or Margot should have won that year, my brain breaks. Um, <laughs> because I can't pick. I love Sebastian Stan in that movie so much. Um, I have to say, of the le- like leading big performances on that movie Alison Janney's is my least favorite I think it's very one note um I think it's the kind of performance where like yeah we all knew that she could do that no one was surprised in any way shape or form Mm -hmm. I don't think it's her best work no um it's kind of one of those like Laura Dern winning for Marriage Story where you're like really like yeah this like exactly I feel the same way though about like Brad Pitt winning for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood I'm like yeah really yeah I'm the same way like he was good in that movie but like he should have already had an Oscar way sooner and not and not for that movie like that wasn't an Oscar winning performance if they were also like I'm not a big Brad Pitt fan but like if they were gonna give Brad Pitt an Oscar honestly Babylon would be a better one oh don't even Um, get me started he should have been nominated for that the fact that he wasn't is sickening but that's a different discussion for another time the meta-ness of that you know but so I mean all that is to say that I think so often we do not get the actual best performance winning but it really does still like to this day shock me that Laurie Metcalf didn't win this because I think it's such a um obviously Oscar friendly performance without being Oscar baby Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, i think that there's god there's so many layers to her performance yeah um and and it feels so real like i think that's part of why the movie makes me a little uncomfortable to watch and it is because like it so reflects like you know the behavior that even if that's not the relationship that you had with your mom that like you saw your friends having with their moms and stuff yeah. where it's like i mean i think we've all been the the friend who's like in the car with the the mom and and you know person who's having that sort of argument that we see Lady Bird and her mom have over and over again, and you're like, I want to be anywhere but here. I, and... I mean, I would see that a lot with my mom and my sister. I'll be like, Can I get the okay. fuck out of the car, Honestly, please? Same, same. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, Can I leave? I'm like, Y'all are y'all are Aries, and I'm a Virgo. I need to leave this. <laughs> um. But yeah, so I think that part of it is that I'm like, oh god, I can't watch it. Um, but it is like such a a great film, and and I think like Laurie and Sarah could have went won Oscars for this, and they would have mm-hmm. been like totally deserving. And I know, I know everybody's like Sarah Ronan is too young to say that she's overdue for an Oscar, but no, she's overdue for an she's Oscar. She's overdue for an Oscar. <laughs> Most she, people she... her age, I wouldn't say that, but like right. she's been nominated four times. <laughs> all before she turned 25 literally all before she turned 25 like insane that that doesn't happen but yeah i mean yeah we could talk about lady bird and little women for hours (laughs) but um i do want to quickly mention before we close out the show some of the films that she has coming out but before we get to that let's recap our list from five to one so nicole what is your list my list is um from five to one loving vincent brooklyn atonement Mary Queen of Scots and Little Women. 
And to recap my list, coming in at number 5 is Atonement, number 4, The Grand Budapest Hotel, number 3, Brooklyn, number 2, Little Women, and number 1, Lady Bird. So that is it with the list, but also, are there any particular films that you want to shout out that you love so much that you didn't, you weren't able to put on your list? Like, quickly go through some of the honorable mentions. Oh my god. Because I'm sure there's okay. so many for you. There are, there are. I will say, um, as much as I think that the whole film doesn't entirely work, Saoirse Ronan's performance in The Seagull is one of my favorites. I actually think that that film is better than it, like, got credit for. See How They Run, which came out this past year, and I think it's now on, like, HBO Max, maybe? It, it is. Um, yeah. So good. So funny. She's amazing in it. Um, I really enjoyed that. And then I also will say another film, and this is the thing with Sarah Shows that even I don't like the films that she's in, I love her. Mm-hmm. Another film that I didn't love is On Chesil Beach, but I think that she is astounding in it. Um, so yeah, I and those are ones that I feel like a lot of people maybe haven't seen. So Yeah, I haven't seen any of those three films <laughs> yeah. that you brought up. Um, I do want to, though. I do want to yeah. see those, and they sound like movies that I could like or maybe i might not like i don't have too many opera mentions i guess for me like i have to mention hannah because i mean yes. for her being like 15 16 making that movie yeah. and playing a young assassin and joe wright coming off of making anna karenina or not anna karenina uh atonement this was before he made anna karenina and yeah. it's like oh my god like joe where did this come from like you're Literally, doing this action <laughs> film like wow and Sersha, i mean she should do more action like she hasn't done any action kind of film since. Uh, can we get her in the next Mission Impossible or something, please? Oh like, can we get her like, to fight Tom Cruise or something? Like, yeah. oh my God. Like, please? Yeah. Like, come on. John Wick, let's let's get her in some action <laughs> film because, I mean, she would knock it out of the park. She was so good. And then, and just the whole, like, her versus Cate Blanchett, like, that's, that's incredible to me. Truly. And, truly. you know... I want them to do another film together so Please. badly. Like, and the fact that she's worked with both Kates in the industry, bravo to her. She's worked Incredible. with both of them. And, uh, I didn't, I, I, lo- guess... I, I didn't love Ammonite. I but was going to say, I feel it. like we have to mention Ammonite. Cause yeah. she's so good. In it. She was like, so good in it. Yeah. She was so good in it. That movie could have been so been much great. better, but yeah. But her and Kate together, I mean, and it's such a different amazing. performance from Sarah. It Shana. is. Like it's, it's such a more mellow performance than we're used to. Very from mellow. Her. Yeah. Yeah, especially because this that was the film that she did right after Little Women, and it's like, right. oh, like that's such <laughs> a drastic like... shift from Joe March. Yeah. But I want to just mention the three films that he, she has coming out because they all sound incredible. First up, we have a film called Foe, which is a science fiction thriller directed by Garth Davis. And it stars her alongside recent Oscar nominee, Paul Mescal. And I, I know Nicole is a huge <laughs> Paul Mescal fan. I do like him a lot as well. And I'm really excited. It sounds really, yeah. really cool. I don't need to know anything about it. Like, I, I don't Them playing a married couple is the that's, only thing that matters that's, to me. That's all I need to know. And it sounds amazing. That sounds great. Uh, we have a film called The Outrun. Which, in case you guys were on film Twitter and you saw a picture of Saoirse Ronan with blue hair, that's the movie where she has the blue hair. And I remember I was like, oh, Lady Bird Part 2. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I'm like, um, it's her Kate Winslet Eternal Sunshine moment. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, 
now now you're gonna give yeah you're gonna give me chills because that's one of my favorite films of all time yes oh man that's great i love it so much and then the last film that she has coming out is a film called blitz which is a world war ii historical drama directed and written by one of my favorite voices in hollywood steve mcqueen if 12 years a slave shame hunger widows i love all four of these films so much i love literally all of them he has yet to make a bad film i also loved everything he did with um small acts i was very impressed with what he did with that but saoirse ronan working with steve mcqueen fantastic and everyone's favorite pretty boy now harris dickinson is in it as well listen i need to see a movie that i like of harris dickinson because i do not like triangle of sadness i don't like that movie i know everybody loves it except for me but i still haven't watched it i can't bring my i'm like i need to before the oscars but i can't bring myself to do it see i would tell you no don't watch it but i feel like everyone else would tell you otherwise since you're with oscar central so you kind of feel obligated to watch it but but all all three of these films sound great and i feel like i know the answer but which one are you most excited for okay it is quite hard because i am really excited for blitz because you know like obviously Sarah Ronan in a period film is my thing but it's gotta be faux let's be real like two of my favorite working actors that i believe are like two of the best talents of their generation what more could i ask for i can't wait for when this trailer comes out and it says oscar nominee Sarah Ronan, oscar nominee paul mescal wait i hadn't even realized that yet oh my god i'm gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> literally i as soon as this trailer drops I'm going to just go on Twitter and see screenshots and I'm going to like, at Nicole Ackman, are you okay? Are you <laughs> yeah. alive over there? <laughs> yeah. It's one of the films that like whenever we made our um, like spreadsheet for who's reviewing what for Oscar Central, I'm like, we don't even have a confirmed date for it, but like my name is on there. <laughs> like, yeah, you're there. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's obviously you. Yes. Nobody else. <laughs> Yeah. Like, sorry to Jacob, but it, it has to be <laughs> Literally, you. Literally, <laughs> I was like, sorry, Jacob, that's mine. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. But to close out our thoughts on Saoirse Ronan, seriously, one of the best actors working today, arguably, like Nicole said, the best actress of her generation, always given 110%, uh, really just a truly phenomenal performer, shown so much range, always gives 110%. And the fact that she's in her late 20s, and has gotten four Oscar nominations already. Like, she really is one of the best. And I always will get excited whenever I see her name attached to a project. I love her so much. And what are your closing thoughts on Saoirse Ronan? I love her. I can't wait to see what movie it is that gets her her Oscar someday. Um, and my, like, plea to the universe, since apparently it tends to work whenever I ask the universe for Saoirse Ronan projects, is that I want to see her in a Noah Baumbach movie. I would yeah, literally I mean, listen, die. I would literally die. I want to see Noah Baumbach direct Saoirse Ronan, since that's his, you know, partner's muse, and I want to see Greta Gerwig direct Adam Driver. Um, oh that's my all god, please. Please. <laughs> and also, uh, you know, the fact that Laura Dern worked with both Noah and Greta in the same in year, the it's same like, year. come on, Sir Show, you gotta work with yeah, Noah now. Come on. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, I know Noah's next film is supposedly have an Adam Sandler in it. Can we get Saoirse Ronan in that too, please? Please. We we know she's good at like comedy if that's the kind of route he's going. So, like so good. Yeah. Yeah, please. Like I need <laughs> I need another high for a Noah Bombach movie because I didn't please. like white I didn't like white noise. I'm sorry to all the white noise fans out there. I didn't really like that. No, well, go at back all. to writing writing your own stories. Yeah, seriously, adapt, seriously. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> 
Nicole, it was such a blast having you on today to talk about Sir Ronan. Thank you so much for coming on. Seriously, I had such a great time gushing yeah, with you about this wonderful me. performer. <laughs> of course, of course. So where could the people find your plethora of work online? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Nicole Ackman 16 I have link trees on all of those locations, um, but you can find most of my work either over at Awards Watch or at Oscar Central. I will put the links for that in the description below, and you guys can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd at Brian Suffield. You guys can rate, review, and share this podcast around on any platform of your choice. We have a Twitter and Instagram, so you guys can stay up to date with the guests that we announce, the topics, and all that jazz. And we have so many great episodes coming your way. This episode was such a blast, and I cannot wait to see what's next for Film Fragments, so stay tuned for that, everybody. Thank you so much for watching, and I will see you guys for the very next episode of Film Fragments. Take care, everybody. Bye.